When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Welcome to the program. Hour number two of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. It's Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight, tomorrow, and Friday. In between, Brendan Escott will be here on Wednesday and Thursday. Of course, we got the football game. Edmonton Elks, their first road game of the season, looking for their first win of the season. To do that, they'll play the BC Lions from BC Play Stadium in Vancouver. We have an extended edition of Countdown to Kickoff starting at 6.05, and the kickoff will be at 8 o'clock. So it will be Morley Scott, yours truly, along with our in-game analyst, Eddie Steele, and Blake Dermott. We thank uh, Michael Riley in the first hour, also Eddie Steele. You heard from him, as uh, you'll hear from him on Thursday, but getting his thoughts on, uh, on what's going on with the... Edmonton Elks. Well, back in 1966, Lester B. Pearson was the prime minister of this country. In the United States, it was Lyndon Johnson. Uh, Pop culture, Star Trek's first episode, Batman the TV series. The uh, Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. In the CFL, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders won the Grey Cup. And in 1966, it was the last time that both the or the uh, Calgary Stampeders and the Edmonton football team started off 0-2. And to talk about it is uh, my good friend Mark Stephen from Newstalk 770 in Calgary, the longtime voice of the Stampeders. Mark, it's uh, tough for uh, football fans in Calgary as it is for football fans in Edmonton when we don't often share that misery. Hello, Mark. Just thinking about that stat, and uh, I just said, what's going on? And uh, all of a sudden, I realized it was, you know, a situation where uh, the teams had gone back just decades before they'd uh, had uh, tough records like that to get out of the gate. So it's a surprise, no question about it. And for both teams, it's starting to get, uh, you know, the pressure ramping up at a 14-game season, right? Yeah, no question. And, and and a situation where you look at Dave Dickinson, his career as a head coach, he hasn't really faced this type of start before, this type of adversity. I believe in 2018 when they won the Grey Cup, they did go through a three-game losing streak, but like this is new to start a season this way. Well, yeah, and especially uh, just getting out of the gate the way they have and the way they've played, too. They've uh, really been uh, uninspired when it comes to the green zone or the score zone on offense. That's a big problem. They just haven't been able to be consistent there. Uh, most of their points, and I guess it's much like the Elks, too, have come from their kicker. Uh, Rennie Perretta has been tremendous, but we've seen way too much of him. So they've got to find a way to short it out, uh, you know, get things uh, pulled together in the green zone because it's not working. Of course, uh, the added attraction now is uh, it looks like Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be on the sidelines uh, possibly on Friday in fact I'll bet he's on the sidelines on Friday and possibly for their next game as well so it's a bit of a turmoil situation here in Calgary yeah and that that changes the uh, the uh, complexion big time and you know there was a lot of concerns about Bo Levi Mitchell in the game last week and apparently this uh, this injury was about a calf injury or a leg injury it didn't happen against the lions it apparently happened in the opener against toronto is that correct 
Yeah, we've got a peg diz. It looks like a hit by uh, Charleston Hughes lingered. He kind of hit him from behind. So that's the one that lingered, and Bo was clearly not able to run, not able to plant and do everything, and uncharacteristically against BC threw four interceptions. So he didn't look very good, and the, the Stampeders lost. Uh, you know, they've got two very inexperienced uh, rookies behind them. Uh, Michael O'Connor played briefly for Toronto in 19, and Jake Mayer has never seen a CFL field. I've already fielded lots of texts today. So what about Dakota Prukop? I guess he had a little more experience, but this is who the Stampeders are going to have to deal with as long as Bo Levi Mitchell is a question mark. And likely Dakota Prukop will be the uh, on the un- one-game injured list again for the Elks on Thursday. So he's not even the backup right now. Uh, mm. So I, if, even if John Huffnagel wanted to grab him, I don't think the Elks are going to let them. So that's, that's yeah, going to be the problem there. There. You know, we, we talked to Dakota Prukop when he was, uh, when he arrived here, or actually he had to go through the, the kind of bit of the uh, quarantine process, and then we saw him on the field. And, you know, he echoed a, a sentiment that a lot of people echoed around uh, around the team, is that they couldn't believe that Dakota Prukop was let go, because apparently he was having a heck of a camp. Well, I thought he was too. I thought it was extremely close between him and O'Connor. I guess uh, they just didn't like the fact that... Uh, he didn't throw the ball as well deeply as uh, O'Connor did. That's kind of one of the things that I heard. But uh, you're right, he had a little more savvy and very good in the pocket. But, uh, you know, Stampede is going to have to deal with the consequences now because it looks like they've got two uh, very inexperienced quarterbacks to take on the uh, Montreal Alouettes on uh, Friday night. So we're going to have the uh, another Canadian starting at quarterback, what Nathan Rourke did in week one with the Lions against the Riders. So we'll have O'Connor uh, starting likely against the Alouettes on, uh, on Friday. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people who trump the Canadian quarterback horn and are sorry that they, you know, beat the drum of Canadian quarterbacks and mm-hmm. there should be a third quarterback on the roster that's Canadian. I don't agree with that. I think you got to earn it. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a good moment. But on the other hand, we saw what Rourke did, and I thought Rourke did some good things and didn't do some other things well. Uh, Michael O'Connor, what what have you seen? What have you heard from Dave Dickinson about him, from Michael O'Connor himself? What like what can we expect here? Well, he's a big guy for sure. So he stands in the pocket. He's a very good pocket presence. That's the one thing he does do. Does have a very good arm and is a quick study. So I think those are all things that work in his favor. Now, obviously, a lack of experience and having some of the people that Montreal have barreling down on him is going to be a challenge. He will run, although it's not a strength, but, uh, you know, he's just got to find out a way to do it. I mean, the Stampeders pulled it out of the fire a couple of years ago when Bo Levi Mitchell went down and they discovered Nick Arbuckle, so we'll see if they've got that touch one more time. They're going to need it the way this season is unfolding. You know, I, when I look at the Stampeders, uh, I, especially that in that receiving core, you know, obviously losing Reggie Bagleton hurts, losing Eric Rogers, who was traded, hurts. And there's some good pieces there. I mean, I think Josh Huff is a good player. Mark Keith Ambles is a good player. Herjie Maiella is turning into a good player. Um, but I wonder as well, just because you're good doesn't mean you have the pedigree to kind of get yourself, you know, w- with the leadership and the experience that those players did have at one time. Uh, I wonder if the Stampeders are kind of struggling with that, not not on defense necessarily, because I do think there's some experience there and, and players that have been there done that before, but on offense, especially now when you have, and even when Bo Levi Mitchell was healthy, 
I just always wondered, like, you know, it just doesn't seem like the same type of vibe that, you know, that yeah, that you felt that, okay, there's mm-hmm. going to be that one or two plays that are going to pull them out of the fire. It just, I just didn't believe it was going to happen, for example, on Thursday, even though they were only down by, you know, one score. Very accurate analysis. That's exactly the way they see it, that uh, there's just something missing there, that camaraderie, that togetherness. I mean, like every other team, so I'm not making excuses, but they do a lot of stuff by Zoom. In many cases, the only time they see each other is when they're running uh, drills and uh, practice or routines. So it's a problem. They do think there's a bit of a, a chemistry issue. It's not that nobody gets along or anything. It's just that they really haven't developed a bond or an affinity for each other. So it's a very good observation. They're just not... Uh, together the way they thought they would be and the way they feel they need to be and uh, you know it's just been one long camp from the start of training camp a couple of games they've just all been together but uh, they really haven't uh, come together as a unit Mark Steven voice of the Calgary Stampeders on Newstock 770 in Calgary joining us on 630 Chet Inside Sports I hear this a lot I, I don't know if I totally agree with this but is the lack of preseason games kind of hurting the product at this point? Not saying it's been horrible football, but it's, you know, I mean, offenses have been trouble getting on track. And usually at this time of year, anyway, offenses are behind the defenses, but uh, preseason games, uh, is it, is it really showing its ugly head that, you know, we really need them? Yeah, yes, it is actually the way I see it. I think that yeah. the play has been a little off. The timing is off. It looked a little ragged at times. Uh, you know, and I'm with you. It's just, defense is always ahead of offense, and offense didn't have a chance to work very well with each other just because. So, uh, no, I do think it is. I never thought I'd be a, an advocate for uh, preseason games, but here we are. Uh, I, I do see the reason <laughs> for them now, and it just would eliminate some of the rough edges and some of the flat spots I've seen from every team. Every team's taken in turn doing it so i agree with you yeah. it's uh, something that they uh you know they miss simply put and and the reason why i kind of say well i'm not sure but in, in another respect is i i say that because offenses especially the starting offense defense they don't really play more than a quarter anyway anymore but still that's a pretty valuable quarter when they do play Yep, and then they'd uh, play more in the second game as well. So it is enough. I mean, uh, these guys were just walking out there in the Stampeders case against Toronto on August the 7th. They said, well, we'll figure it out, guys. Here we are. And uh, to an extent, they did. You know, it wasn't awful, awful. But you could just see some of the polish, some of the timing, some of the cohesiveness was off. So uh, I think you're very uh, accurate there that the games do provide a forum to get the timing down. And it's shown that it hasn't been there maybe after week two, which is the preseason things will start to turn around uh, in week three i guess we'll get that uh, starting next week i saw some pictures of some people taking of the skyline in calgary or i should say of the uh, supposed skyline that you yeah. couldn't see because of the thick smoke which actually canceled stampede practice so what 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 is the pro- pro- prognostication or the uh, pro- or the uh, forecast for the smoke, which is an unpredictable thing, yeah. depending on the winds, but uh, are they going to be able to get on the field tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow they will. It's actually uh, raining or threatening to rain here. It's going to rain overnight. There's going to be a wind come in and clear it out. Uh, you're right. They just couldn't practice on the field, didn't want to go outside, and here's just part of the times that we live in. They went to a nearby yeah. dome, which really isn't a football facility, so the defense went first. They had to come out. Then the offense went in there because of all these distancing regulations and that. So, uh, yeah, uh, but I think it'll be fine, and I think it'll be fine for Friday. But you're right. It was brutal today. It was really 
really, really tough, and it was a eerie kind of orangey glow to the sky. So, but I think it's going to be all yeah. fixed up for uh, uh, the rest of the week and starting tomorrow. Mark, as always, thank you for your time. I know we're going to uh, be down in Calgary very, very soon because uh, with the season starting uh, just uh, you know, 10 days ago, that means Labor Day's right there. It's Isn't right that there. Crazy? So, yeah, you sort of get a few games under you, then look forward to Labor Day. Well, Labor Day is going to just hit us uh, right between the eyes really quick, and I, I really look forward to it. So it uh, be a lot of fun, but uh, I'm not going to say that the, you know what the records are going to be. Let's hope that both teams are on the upward swing by then, right? There you go. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Mark Stephen, the longtime voice of the Calgary Stampeders on our uh, sister station, uh, News Talk 770 in Calgary. Yeah, the you know, it, it, the, those pictures I saw out of Calgary paled in comparison to what we're seeing out in uh, in BC and, and Vernon and those and those places. Like that orange sky is just frightening. Absolutely frightening. And I remember here in uh, and we've had some of the smoke come in this summer and in fact it uh, it forced the Elks inside for a couple days of practice and in fact it yeah, their, their one scrimmage got canceled because of one was the injuries were starting to pile up and two, uh, if they were able to play anyway, they wouldn't have been allowed to because of health and safety. So, um, but I remember 2018 very well when we had that one week of 10 plus for most of uh, most of the week and the uh, Edmonton football team were supposed to play the Montreal Alouettes on a Saturday. And I remember being at walkthrough on Friday and, talking with Jason Moss, the then head coach, and saying, well, we're either playing tomorrow, we're playing Sunday, or we're going to have a, a terrible scenario later in the season. And I remember waking up that morning, and it was 10 plus. It was about 7 in the morning. Woke up, 10 plus. And I'm like, I can't see how we're playing today, if it's going to be like this, obviously. Then around 10 o'clock in the morning, the wind shifted and finally saw the sun. Just It just got brighter. It was amazing. And then by about, I don't know, half an hour later, it went from a 10-plus to a 5, and then it was down to about a 3 or a 2 or a 3 by uh, 11 o'clock, 11.30, and the game was declared to go. So yeah, feel for those people in, in BC dealing with this uh, forest, uh, this uh, wildfire situation. And, you know, so what we get is, you know, it's inconvenient, but it's nothing in comparison to what they're going through, unfortunately. So big news of the uh, day that just uh, dropped about a half an hour before uh, we hit the airwaves here on 630 Chet Inside Sports is that the Western Hockey League is bringing in a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. So shots are have to be in the arm by mid-September. That's two weeks before the season opens October 1st. Besides players, this impacts anyone who deals with players on a regular basis. So that's this, um, this doesn't really include billets, although the strong recommendation is that players will stay uh, with a billet family or find a billet family that has been fully vaccinated. Um, so that's, you know, I, I'm sure they're going to work through that and what that looks like fully. So uh, WHL Commissioner Ron Robinson says with travel restrictions currently in place with the Canadian U.S. border, it's important that all players and staff are fully vaccinated in order to be eligible to play a full season in the WHL. The CFL, uh, they, they don't have a mandatory policy. The NHL late last week said that you, you know, we expect players and staff, they, well, they need to be fully vaccinated if they're going to take part in the season. Uh, the CFL does not have that policy, although the cancellation policy is in effect. If you have a team that can't uh, perform because of COVID issues within the team, you uh, will or you're in danger of forfeiting the game and losing money. That is if you're below 85% 
threshold for vaccination. So, but it did lift today the, for fully vaccinated players. Protocols did change. You have a little more freedom now than uh, those with one dose and those with uh, who are not vaccinated yet, even with just one dose. Uh, Trevor Harris on the experience in the room dealing with uh, a tough start to a season. He's a former Ottawa Red Black, so he's been a part of this in 2016 and then 17. 16, they won the Grey Cup. 18, they went to the Grey Cup. And he talks about just, you know, building the belief within the team. Yeah, just that it's football. And, you know, a lot of things are about you rather win or learn. And I know that's a cliche, but cliches are often cliches for a reason. And uh, we've got a bunch in here that's that's wanting to learn, that's hungry to learn, and a bunch that after the game um, was putting their arms around each other. We know it's not good enough. Um, I know it's not good enough for myself. And I, expect, I hold myself to a higher standard. Anybody that uh, has a standard for me, uh, trust me, I hold myself to a higher one. So I'm going to continue to progress as much as I can for these guys in the locker room. And and, uh, you know, for, for our coaches and for this organization. And, um, you know, that's that we know where we want to be uh, come November, December. And we're going to keep striving to get there. And I've been, in, I've been in this league quite a long time. And I've been on some championship teams. This has the genetic makeup. It has the makeup and the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, a lot of times I've, when you hit adversity, you can see who's really with you. And, you know, it reveals a lot of character. And we've got a great character in this locker room. And I know we're going to hang together, uh, put our arms on each other, get better, look each other in the eye have those tough conversations, tough film meeting rooms, and we're going to do that regardless if we win or lose. Um, outcome's not going to make a difference in how we respond. 0-2 start. They'll try and get their first win of the season coming up on Thursday against the 1-1 one one, uh, BC Lions. Uh, championship weekend for the Canadian Elite Basketball League is uh, here, and on Wednesday things begin with the uh, an award ceremony, Edmonton Stingers involved are the defending champion. Uh, one of the players that are up for an award is Jordan Baker, who is a legend for the U of A Golden Bears basketball team. He's a forward for the Stingers, helped them win last year in the uh, bubble in the tournament in the Niagara region of Ontario, and he's up for Canadian Player of the Year. And he's also the head coach of the Nate men's basketball team. Nice to have you aboard tonight. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight, tomorrow, and on Friday. Escott is here on uh, Brendan Escott. Uh, can't call people by their last name and assume that you know who I'm talking about, although he is uh, very prominent on this radio station. But yes, Brendan Escott will be hosting on uh, Wednesday, and uh, Morley and I have the game for you. I should say Morley Scott. Morley Scott. I think everyone knows who Morley is, but you know, just in case you don't know, Morley Scott is the play-by-play voice of your Elks. I'm the color analyst for your Elks, and we will be in Vancouver for Thursday's game, the first road game of the season from BC Place Stadium in Vancouver. Elks looking for their first win. Countdown to kickoff begins at 6, and the kickoff begins at 8 o'clock. Pretty cool weekend coming up here in Edmonton. The Edmonton Stingers have been a huge success story uh, for this city. The defending CEBL champions uh, championship weekend is this coming week award ceremony. Uh, the two semifinals, the uh, stingers will take on the Ottawa blackjacks. The, the final goes Sunday and uh, Jordan Baker, who is uh, nominated for Canadian player of the year joins us now, Jordan. It's nice to have you back on inside sports. How you doing, sir? My pleasure. Uh, it's, I'm doing well. It's nice to be talking to someone other than Reed. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's nice because sometimes I wonder, oh, they got to put up with me and not read, right? So yeah, that's very nice, Jordan. I, I appreciate that a lot. And you got to appreciate the fact that, I mean, this was supposed to happen last year. And, and you won a two-week tournament. It's, it's very, it was a very unique tournament. You did very well because you won the darn thing in Niagara region of Ontario. But uh, finally, you get the host champion. Uh, tell me about what this is going to be like for you and the team. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the special things about playing for the Edmonton Stingers is our fan base. Um, so being able to host championship weekend and play in front of them, um, not just for regular season games, but, you know, now championship weekend. So playoff basketball, intensity lifts, uh, competitive lifts, and hopefully the, the wins come um, and we get to play in front of our noisy, uh, rambunctious home crowd. <laughs> well, what was that like this season? I, I remember I watched the first game on television and, and I looked at the Hive and I said, oh, the Hive looks good. But And I know it's been kind of a progression of how many people are allowed to attend and now there's no restrictions. But what was it like playing in the Hive again this year in front of a, in front of this crowd here in Edmonton that, that really love basketball? Yeah, I mean, after the year um, out in the bubble in Niagara, um, you know, you kind of learn to appreciate the little things. I'm not saying that our our fan base is is a little thing, but um, it definitely plays into the games. I mean, obviously, we were undefeated at home this year, so our our crowd and our fans played a big part in that, and hopefully we can continue that moving forward here. Uh, the group just seems to have so much cohesion, uh, just so much structure. Uh, it, it just looks like you just enjoy playing together. That might sound like a stupid statement, but I think it is a valid statement in sports that you have to enjoy playing with one another. And your brand of basketball is a very entertaining style. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the biggest thing is this league is uh, designed to be a stepping stone for guys to go on to bigger and better things overseas um, during the winter months Um, and so when that is the situation typically guys tend to be a little bit more selfish guys tend to want to get their statistics and their game film uh, to a level that's going to attract scouts and general managers from from across the pond so um, what we've managed to do is is avoid that and we play a very team-oriented style Um, you know the only numbers we care about is the scoreboard at the end of the game and you know we've got a bunch of guys who can get 20 on any given night and you know, as long as we get the win, we're happy with it. Yeah, no question. Uh, Thirteen and one on the season. Uh, you uh, averaged as a team. Let me, let's pull it up here. You averaged ninety-one point four points per game. Uh, you are on a six-game winning streak. Is, is is that a big factor? Is when you know, and I know you had to sit through the quarterfinal round because you got the buy into the semifinal. But uh, you're you're on a roll. You've won six straight. Do you, do you feel like you can carry? Maybe I don't know if it's momentum, but is it is it just more the confidence you have have as a, as a group that you're able to take that into into Friday's game against Ottawa? I think for us, um, you know, we played the last three four games of the season, missing some key pieces. Um, Xavier Moon missed yeah. our game against Saskatchewan. Um, Marlon Johnson missed the game against Fraser Valley, and we still managed to squeeze those wins out. Um, that shows the resilience of the rest of our squad. You know, we're not just a a one-trick pony we've got lots of guys that can beat you on any given night so you know for us i think our confidence lies in our depth um if someone's not feeling it one night we've got um the guys filling in behind them to, to pick up the slack and shoulder that scoring load so i think um certainly we've won games in all different ways during this six game win streak uh, there's been some blowouts there's been some tight ones um but i think you know just being able to at the end of the day um pull out a victory 
uh, regardless of you know the situation or whether we're on the road or whether we're at home has shown a, a great deal about this team and our resilience. Jordan Baker, the Edmonton Stingers, joining us here on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports. Stingers will play uh, as a part of championship weekend here in Edmonton. They'll take on the uh, Ottawa Black Tra Jacks on Friday with hopes of advancing to Sunday's final. So I, I remember you on with Reed last year about uh, about winning in, in Niagara, and you said it was you know obviously really cool. We saw the Elam ending, which I, I love. I think everyone loves the Elam ending. If you don't, I mean... You're no fun, just to be honest with you. It, it's just a great way to end a basketball game, and and uh, the Stingers are very good at it. Um, but you talked about the protocols, and it was you know basically very you know it was the the the, the thick of COVID then, uh, with no vaccination, so it was very restrictive. What what is what have the protocols been like this year, and what has it been like to just you get to move around? I mean, obviously you're playing in front of crowds, and you get to move around the country this year. Yeah, um, I mean, the early part of the season was a little bit challenging, a little bit different because, you know, as you know, the Alberta restrictions were lifted slightly earlier than some of the other provinces. Um, mm -hmm. So we were able to play in front of fans in Edmonton. Um, then we get on a plane and fly out to, uh, to Ontario and we're playing in empty venues again because their restrictions hadn't been lifted to the point where they could accept fans. So we were bouncing all over the place, um, dealing with fans, no fans, empty arenas, you know, close to sold-out crowds here at Expo. So... Um, you know, for us, we just try to, you know, focus on the 15 guys in our locker room and make sure we play competitive basketball every single night and, you know, let the chips fall where they might. But uh, in terms of COVID stuff, um, we've tried to maintain kind of as safe an environment as we can. Um, you know, we're not bubbled up, but we're making sure that we're not jeopardizing anything in our team success with any sort of cases or outbreaks or anything like that. Yeah, and clearly it's it's worked well. So you, you know, you and your teammates are to be congratulated on that, and everyone else in the league as well. So that that's great when you come together and uh, you know keep each other uh, keep each other safe. That's important. And you're up for an award, as I mentioned, the Canadian Player of the Year. Uh, you were uh, second in the league in rebounds uh, per game, ten point one. Uh, you were the third leading scorer on your team. And just just tell me about about your season and uh, you know the just just. Obviously, you want to win the the whole thing, clearly. But uh, to this point, uh, your season seems to be pretty good. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I think uh, most of the major awards um, go to players on teams with winning records. Um, so you know, to be nominated for Canadian Player of the Year is, uh, is you know, to be nominated is awesome. Um, but I think it's a testament to the success of our team. You know, being thirteen and one. Um, you know, if I'm averaging the same numbers on a team that goes one and thirteen, I think I look I'm get looked at a little bit differently. So. Um, Got to yeah. give credit to my teammates, give credit to the coaching staff for putting us in positions to win, um, and then obviously putting ourselves in positions to, to win some individual awards, which are kind of a little bit extra, a little bit uh, nice on the side, but obviously we want to win the, the trophy on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you got a few uh, players up for individual awards, including Xavier Moon again for uh, Player of the Year. Boy, he's he's just a fun player to watch. Just, I mean, it, whenever I get a chance to watch him, I'm just like, wow, this he he is just incredible. The way he moves, the way he shoots, everything. Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly worth the price of admission. Um, <laughs> and you know, last year he averaged, you know, just over 20 points a game, and he has improved on that number this year. Um, you know, he's broken his own single game scoring record a couple times. He had 37 one game, 39 another. So um, if you want to watch some electrifying speed and some extreme talent, he's the guy uh, to come and check out this weekend. Um, and the rest of us uh, try to compliment the best we can, him in the best we can.
Jordan Baker of your Edmonton Stingers joining us on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Jordan Baker, also the head coach of the uh, Nate men's basketball team. Congratulations on that uh, on that gig. Tell me about how that came about and how excited you are. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, it was kind of a unique situation where, you know, I had coached with the former um, head coach of Nate, um, Slav Kornick. You know, him and I were together on the staff at the University of Alberta um, before he moved on to Nate. And he went back into into media uh, working for Global. And so that job opened yep. up this spring. And, you know, I, I figured it would be a nice opportunity for me to kind of get my feet wet as a head coach because, you know, that is something that I'm striving towards as a more long-term career goal. So, um, you know, they were lucky. I was lucky enough or fortunate enough for them to name me the new head coach. And, you know, we're just ramping up our season here. Um, kind of finalizing our roster and you know September 7th rolls around we're going to be um, full into training camp and we've been given the green light to go ahead with the season so we're excited after uh, you know more than 18 months away from the game our student athletes are excited to, to get back to it and you know they may not be as excited when I get to uh, cuss them out on the floor but um, <laughs> I, I think the uh, the general feeling is we're, we're ready to get back to it and then ready to win some basketball games. You get uh, animated on the court as a coach? Uh, we'll see. I'll try to keep it under wraps a little bit. Um, try to focus on us. Try to focus on the things that we can control. And, uh, you know, hopefully that results in some Ws. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I think it's really great that you're going, you know, we, we focus on youth sports a lot. I know I think, and Reed said it last week, we're probably, we probably have more youth sports content uh, of any sports show in this country. And I think it's important to do that. Um, we haven't touched on ACAC, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and as much as we probably should, and I think we will now more because you're the head coach. So Reed will want to talk to you more, uh, but how important is it just to highlight this level of basketball? I mean, I went to Nate, I saw some games and it is a good quality of basketball, which unfortunately doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. Um, you know, the ACAC generally, um, you know, we have a lot of talent that just maybe doesn't translate to the youth sports level, whether someone is in a program that they need at a school like Nate, for example, um, mm -hmm. or, you know, they just are a little bit immature or a little bit younger, a little bit uh, underdeveloped physically uh, to compete at that youth sports level. So there's lots of talent bounce around. It's just a matter of finding the right fit. Um, and what we're looking to do at Nate is trying to get guys for, you know, two, three years, get them a diploma, um, get them some exposure, some high-level coaching, some high-level basketball, um, and then ship them off to a U-sports school um, because I think that's, again, you mentioned it, that's where a lot of the coverage is. Um, and as you're seeing with the success of U-sports players in the CEBL, um, you know, that's where the jump to professional basketball happens. Um, so if I'm able to give guys the opportunity to hone their skills, get their bodies a little bit better um, at Nate and then put them in a, at a U of A or a University of Calgary or a you know, University of Saskatchewan, um, then I'm more than happy to do that to help them pursue their, their basketball goals. And uh, one more before I let you go. Exciting day for the CEBL because an eighth team has been added in the Toronto area, the Scarborough Shooting Stars, which, uh, I mean, I think that's a popular name that a lot of people in that region should get behind. <laughs> but, but, but great news for the, for, for the league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes out a little bit out of left field. I don't know if a lot of people, I mean, the league played it really close to the vest with this one. Um, but they were managed to, to keep a, a secret from me at least. Um, but now, you know, you've got more teams out east. Uh, that just makes for more fun 
uh, on those long road trips. So um, excited to see what kind of roster they can build, who they're bringing in as, as a coach, and you know, looking forward to beating their ass next year. <laughs> well, that's the goal this year. You got the uh, Ottawa Blackjacks on uh, Friday night in the uh in the hive at the expo center and then win that game you're in the final and uh to be back-to-back champions would be quite the story jordan thank you so much uh, congratulations at this point all the best this weekend for championship weekend thanks so much i appreciate it that's jordan baker forward for the edmonton stingers uh yeah great great brand of basketball and really exciting that he's going to the uh the ACAC level with Nate to coach their men's basketball team. And uh, I think he just kind of laid it out there. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just to get the kids up so they can maybe go play in your sports and it's kind of a level down, but it's still a good quality uh, level of basketball. So Jordan is a, is a very good, very, very good player. And uh, you know, we might have to have Mike Morreale on the show very soon and, and tell the story about the Scarborough shooting stars. Mike Morielli, former receiver and former uh, in the Canadian Football League, former uh, president, uh, executive director of the CFL Players Association, one of the smartest people and one of the most likable people you, you'll ever meet. So we're probably going to have to have Mike on very, very soon. He's probably not happy that his Hamilton Tiger Cats are 0-2. We know what that's like in Edmonton with the Elks and people down south, uh, the Calgary Stampeders fans as well, which maybe we're laughing at, although how can you laugh at a team that has the same record as you? Maybe a little. I don't know. Joey Votto and his Cincinnati Reds are crushing the Chicago Cubs 11-0 right now. I bring up this score because in the game, Joey Votto, who is from Toronto, became the second Canadian Major League Baseball player to record 2,000 hits. And in fact, he's the only player to have made his NA, uh, sorry Major League Baseball debut in the 21st century and record 2,000 hits and a 400 career on-base percentage. Congratulations to Joey Votto. Blue Jays off. They start a series tomorrow against the Washington Nationals in Washington after a uh, sweep of the Seattle Mariners. They still got a lot of ground to make up. They're four and a half games back behind the first wildcard spot, so there's still a lot of work left to be done. Like the Edmonton Elks have a lot of work. Uh, not very good offense in the first two games, just one touchdown, a lot of turnovers. A lot of settling for field goals. Jamie Elizondo on the uh, offense right now, just not coming together as of yet. Yeah, it's a combination of everything. And what's happened is it's one player here. It's a receiver. It's a lineman. It's a quarterback. It's a running back. And the problem is, is on offense, to execute at a high level, you need 12 guys operating together. And that understanding of why my, as an example, why my split is so important to the structure of the play. Because if I'm in the wrong split, then I don't show up into the vision of the quarterback, and so he moves on or hangs on to it a hair longer and gets hit. And so that interconnectedness, you can have 11 guys wrong on defense and one makes a tackle and saves a play. That's just the nature of offense and defense. And so those are where we're continuing to grow. And I think we're starting to, you know, at least from this practice and some of the meeting and conversations, uh, hoping to trend in the right direction. So yeah, seeing uh, red zone stalling or offense stalling in the red zone, seeing turnovers, that was really prominent in the first game. Seeing the protection for Trevor Harris break down so he has to move off of his spot, move out of the pocket. He's not as fleet of foot as uh, some other quarterbacks. And then when he is able to have the time that he needs, 
receivers aren't getting open or he's holding on to the football too too long and maybe a bit indecisive. So we'll see if it comes together on Thursday. This was pretty cool on the weekend. Chuba Hubbard in an NFL game with a big touchdown. Hubbard. Big play. I think we stopped him. Spins oh, away from the tackler, and now he could be off the races. Odom trying to chase him down. Rogers there, too. And Hubbard finally wrestled out of bounds at about the 20. What a play by the rookie from Oklahoma State. There it is. Got him stopped, all jammed up. But we lose the edge. Rochelle loses the edge, and he pops outside. And Chuba did exactly what he did at Oklahoma State. I thought he was a steal for them on the third round. Well, it was the fourth round. I did say touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was a 59-yard run. And it's not Chuba, it's Chuba from Sherwood Park, Alberta. Anyway, cool moment for him, for sure. Western Hockey League saying uh, mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. That's what they've uh, implemented now. So shots in the arm by mid-September, two weeks before the season opens. This is, uh, besides players, this impacts anyone who deals with players on a regular basis. Calgary Stampeders, looks like they'll be without veteran quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell when they host the Alouettes on Friday. Mitchell reportedly suffered a leg injury in the Stamp season opening 23-20 loss to the Toronto Argos. He played through it in the next game which was a 59 loss to the BC Lions. I mentioned the Jays, outfielder Teosco Hernandez, been named America League Player of the Week, batted 500 with three homers and 10 runs batted in over seven games last week. Nashville Predators have signed goaltender UC Saros, a four-year contract worth $20 million. He was 21-11 and won in uh, 36 games. Career best in win starts, goals against average, safe percentage. Wild have signed Kevin Fiala to a $5.1 million one-year deal, 20 goals, 20 assists in 50 games. Nick Nurse will remain the head coach of Canada's men's national basketball team in its quest for a berth of the 2024 Paris Olympics. The Canadian team failed to qualify for the Tokyo Games. Something uh, might have to get Paul Sir on tomorrow night. Nick Nurse saying he expects a commitment from many of Canada's top players over that span to build the chemistry needed to complete, uh, compete in international basketball. That's what Paul said. Don't have any cohesion. Just bringing guys together, slapping them together, and just saying, go play. And fans, all fans will be barred from the Paralympics in Japan because of COVID, the uh, COVID-19 concerns, just as they were from the recently completed Tokyo Olympics. Some children could attend a few unspecified events as the only possible exception. Organizers have also asked the public not to come out to view road events. That'll do it for this, this Monday evening edition of 6.30 Chat Inside Sports. Thanks to Brendan Clack, who's producing the show this week, Andrew Quinnell. Our tech producer, I'm Dave Campbell, in for Reed Wilkins. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.